Seeking mental health care can be overwhelming and even scary, but it doesn't have to be. I'm Dr. Josephine McNary, and I'm committed to making this process easier for you. Each week, my expert guest and I unravel a different form of therapeutic intervention in order to bring comfort and understanding and to help you get back to your true self. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Mind Stories. Today, I have the pleasure to speak with Dr. Taylor Capazello, owner and founder of Elite Physiology Incorporated, located in San Francisco. She is a psychophysiologist studying the brain and body to help clients reach their optimal performance. Examining brainwaves has become a passion of hers while bridging the gap for people on their experiences and potential clues into why. Today, we talk about neuromodulation and how brainwaves can help individuals reach their goals. Welcome, Taylor. Thank you so much for having me. This is a topic that we actually don't have that much about on my podcast, and you are a psychophysiologist, and I think it's something that the listeners might be interested in learning quite a bit more about today. Yeah, so as a psychophysiologist, it sounds really fancy if you say it fast, but it's really just psychology and physiology. So we're looking at your brain, your body's physiological responses to things, especially like stressors or everyday tasks. And that's obviously going to affect your psychology. So if something is stressing you out, you might have sweaty palms, certain brain waves that we'll be looking for, and then it presents as anxiety. Right. And so tell me what the training is, how you got into this. I'm just curious about your journey here. Yes. Everyone has such different training. That's what's really fun about this field is that, you know, I'm uh, with a plethora of different backgrounds, but for myself, I did massage therapy for 18 years and got into biofeedback that way. I kept seeing the same patterns in people over and over again, and I could fix them from massage, but they come back two weeks later and it was the same exact problem. And by doing biofeedback, I started giving them the tools for themselves to actually be able to take it on and figure out and handle it themselves within just a couple of sessions. So people would come in, we'd retrain on breathing. They would have their own physiology on the screen in front of them and they would actually explain how to change that. So I got into it that way and then continued for my PhD program. And I got introduced into neurofeedback and looking at the EEG in the brain and went down that whole rabbit hole. Maybe it would be helpful to talk about someone who might consider this type of treatment and kind of what they might want to consider it for and what the process would look like and what the desired outcome would be. Honestly, it can be anyone because it's about peak performance. So sometimes we are working with elite athletes to someone that has the signs and symptoms of ADHD or anxiety. And it's really looking at what's going on with your own body, what we expect it to look like, and then having the person train that up. So it ends up being this really wide net that's cast. And obviously it doesn't work for everything, but even something that it shouldn't work with, there's going to be improvement in that person's body somehow. Even if a person relearns how to breathe, that's going to lower their anxiety level. That's going to help with some other things such as muscle tension. So in terms of neurofeedback and neuromodulation, the highest efficacy rating that we have is for ADHD. So that tends to be the main population that a lot of neurofeedback practitioners see. Uh, ADHD can present up to eight different ways in the brain. And so it's nice because we're actually looking at what's going on there and then starting to do training based off of what's happening. So for example, if a kid or an adult presents with slow frontal theta kind of here, and that's kind of a daydreamy wave, 
And a lot of times you see that as someone that's fidgeting around all the time. A lot of times they're fidgeting because they're trying to stay awake. Those are the people that respond really well to medications such as Ritalin because it's perking them up, it's waking them up. And in neurofeedback, what we're doing is the person's learning how to suppress that wave and enhance a little faster wave. So they're a little bit more alert and we have their frontal lobes, which are responsible for cognition and everything that we do, they're engaged more and they're turned on function a little better. Got it. So it's kind of identifying brain patterns, brain waves that maybe are causing the the issue and trying to correct that. Yeah. Maybe talk a little bit to the listener about those waves and how you get the, what, what's that process? Yeah. So, you know, we have all the different waves like Delta, which is usually associated with sleep. Theta is usually tired, daydreaming. It can also, you know, each wave has a lot that it can do with. There's not a direct black and white. Then we go into alpha. Alpha is that kind of a calm internal state. Then we have beta broken up into beta one, two, and three. And beta one tends to be that external focus where someone's, you know, you're kind of in the zone and you're doing things you're capable of seeing close and far. Then we have beta two, which is problem solving and intensity. And then beta three is really rumination, anxiety. We're kind of getting stuck in this area. And that's a lot of times not very helpful up there. And then we go up into the gamma ranges as well. So what we're looking for when we look at a brain is what's going on, where are these brain waves present? How long are they showing for? Are they staying on too long, talking too much to each other? Not enough. So like when I was speaking about alpha, alpha is really great. If your eyes are closed, you're relaxed, but if your eyes are open and we're having too much of this this alpha state, it's really hard to be present with the outside world and you're kind of stuck in your own head. So that's one presentation that sometimes we see of people, even with anxiety, it's a type that they'll see when they're stuck in their head, they can't get out. They have that busy brain going mixed with that alpha. So they're in their head and it's really hard to focus and take in information. So, which then heightens your anxiety more. And Also, I think for the listener, how do you collect that data? So we collect it. I actually have my little mannequin right here to show. Let's see if I can back him up. So we use a little cap and we put it on your head and the cap has all these little electrodes sewn into it. And they don't do anything. They just pick up, they have a little, put gel in there. And then we just do a recording from that. And that has 19 channels on it. You can uh, sometimes have up to 64 channels, but from there, you just, have the most boring 20 minutes of your life. You sit for 10 minutes with your eyes open and then 10 minutes with your eyes closed. We just get a resting baseline of what's going on for you, seeing what's happening. Got it. And that's how you collect the data that you then interpret. Exactly. And there's some other fun things that can also go into it. ERPs, event-related potential. So with that same cap on, and then you'll have different pictures in front of you on the screen. So it might be like a person, person, plant. And you're supposed to click a button when you see three people in a row. And then we get to see how fast your brain responds to things. And this is a really nice way looking at event-related potentials for how fast your brain is on it. We know how fast it's supposed to respond to a stimulus and then return to baseline. And we can kind of track our progress as well for how fast those are changing. So yeah, there's lots of fun stuff in here. The brain is a a wormhole. Yeah, yeah. So so you, you have this data, 
And so that's just the first part of it though. So you kind of interpret, okay, this is how your brain patterns are reading out, right? And this is our data that we're collecting. Then what's the intervention? Yeah, so then come in and do training from there. So like I said, if the person talking about the alpha, so say they have too much alpha present for eyes open, and when alpha is present, we're not taking in any information. So when we see it over certain brain regions and that brain region is responsible for something, then that something means that it's not probably performing as well as we'd like. So if it's over the emotional regulation area, or if we have it over word comprehension or anything like that. So So we take that and we'll place sensors on those specific spots based off of the brain map that we did. And then the person learns how to downtrain or uptrain whichever waves we're trying to kind of smush out or increase. You know, if there's a deficit of certain waves, we might increase it. And that said, sometimes people have something going on and it's really good for them in their work life and it's not good for them in their family life. So I see this a lot with OCD, a lot of CEOs, high functioning people that are really good at their job. They have a little OCD tendencies and that's what makes them such good driving force on doing their job. But at home that might actually not work so well. So we don't want to switch that out. So sometimes we're teaching people how to turn on and off waves. So they have a little bit more control over it. And how active is that process? You know, this is definitely a process. It's definitely like if you went to a gym and you found a personal trainer and you wanted to get a six pack, you know, it's not a short step. Neurofeedback itself usually is about 40 to 60 sessions, having people come in about two plus times a week. Uh, You can take breaks as well. So, you know, it doesn't have to be all the way through. And uh, sometimes it ends up being some more sessions depending on what's going on, how complex the case is. Now, one of the other things I personally do is neurostimulation in addition to neurofeedback, and that has significantly sped up the process. So most of my clients are around 25 to 30 sessions now, um, especially for my more straightforward cases that don't have a traumatic brain injury in addition to ADHD, in addition to you know something else as well. And stimulation is also based off of the brain map. So once again, looking at that, and then we might actually run some really low electrical current to kind of wake up the brain in certain areas. Not like a lot of the stuff people see me for, nothing above 2.5 milliamps. It's pretty low, but we're waking up the brain. We also work with magnetic coils, PEMF, not as strong as TMS, but it is gently kind of nudging the brain to what we want it to do, as well as getting blood flow to that area, waking it up. And that seems to really speed up the process. And you see that with the ERPs, that event-related potential that I was talking about earlier, which is separate from the the normal brain map. Uh, Because we get to see even faster how fast your brain starts responding to stimuli and how fast your reaction time is. So yeah, the stimulation helps speed that up. Not everyone does that. Some people just do stimulation. Some people just do neurofeedback. You know, it can get a little hard in this field because lots of people use different equipment. But for myself, this is what I found to to really like. So yeah, time-wise, it is like getting a six-pack. Although the nice thing is that once you get the six-pack, you have it. You don't have to keep going back to the gym for that. And, you know, sometimes... We're just bringing people up to a spot that's maybe not their entire goal. But once you start having the brain function, it starts improving itself pretty well. So, you know, I always talk about it being like learning to ride a bike. When you leave here, sometimes you don't look that great riding the bike. It's just kind of like as if a parental figure just 
let go and, and you're kind of out there wobbling around, but you know, train wheels are off. Then a year you've been practicing and all of a sudden you're popping wheelies, riding with no hands and all without the help of anybody guiding you. So, you know, it's just practice at that point. Yeah. Yeah. You had mentioned elite athletes. So what do athletes come in requesting from this process? Yeah. Well, a lot of times they'll have their own struggles as well. You know, brain fog, help with focus, that driver that they have. Well, oftentimes that also contribute to insomnia or really high anxiety. So once again, looking at their brain, seeing what's going on, taking into effect what is going on for them and not wanting to smush anything out, but turning on and off. Sometimes it's with breathing. So the same heart rate variability breathing. A lot of people focus on the six breaths per minute, but it really comes down to, you know, having a soft chest, learning to allow your belly to do the work, having your heart rate kind of follow that rhythm, making sure your sweat response is nice and low during it and your hand temperature starts warming up. So there's a lot of things as well. Sometimes we go more into the physiology part for the body. I always do breathing biofeedback, but sometimes we'll include muscle uh, sensors or hand warming and muscle sensors can be really good for athletes because especially if you think about a baseball pitcher and they will throw the ball and a lot of times they'll still keep some tension in here. They might have some exercises for relaxing it, but once we put some sensors on them that pick up their muscle activity, they're able to learn how to go to a deeper level of relaxation, which is going to prolong how long they're able to play for because they're less likely to injure themselves between pitches. Right. It's very, it's just fascinating to me, this whole process, because it's very different than a traditional therapy model. Yeah. It's a totally different thing. It's about training your brain in a way that it, it just feels so different than it's obviously very different than traditional therapy. It's, it's a different process. Yeah. And some people that are psychophysiologists will also be therapists and they might work it together. I personally like just doing this and working with other people because, you know, if I'm working through an area, a person that's experienced trauma and they have that alpha over the area of socio-perception. And as we start decreasing that, that area of the brain starting to turn back on. And so for them working with the therapist as things are coming up, it can be really helpful. So it partners really well with every single type of therapy as well. So that that's nice. But yeah, my my looking at is peak performance, what's going on on that level? How can we make you get to that goal? What things are in your way? So, and athletes actually tend to be a little easier to work with because they're so used to just being assigned things <laughs> and like, okay, I'm going to practice breathing for this long. I'm going to check in on my body. That is their job. You know, most of us, we have other jobs and then we're trying to do this, but that, that their job is their body at optimal performance. So, yeah. Yeah. Interesting. Actually, one question I have is this is all in person, right? You have to do this in person. Yes. Yes. For myself, but there are other therapists that they'll set up for doing more not in person. You can't do stimulation not in person because the equipment is not allowed to go out to people that are licensed for it, at least the equipment I use. But the neurofeedback part itself, I do know a couple of practitioners that they'll send you out amplifiers. They'll run it through on the computer. So some people do. I just didn't get set up that way because it's kind of a whole different route. And I personally love stimulation too much. So... <laughs> 
Well, I will make sure that more about your practice is on the podcast description so people can learn a bit more about you. And I know you have some resources as well on your website about this type of therapy as well. Definitely, definitely. So, and I love answering any questions. So anyone can feel free to message me and and I will answer all the questions that I can. All right. Well, thanks for being on. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You have a great rest of your day. You too, bye. This has been Mind Stories. With remote appointments in California and nine offices throughout Southern California and the Bay Area, Cal Psychiatry specializes in medication management, mood and anxiety disorders, alternative therapies, women's mental health, and more to help you get back to your true self. Visit us at calpsychiatry.com. Thanks for listening to Mind Stories, and don't forget to subscribe. Subscribe.